49ers fans. Welcome to another week of the Talking Touchdowns podcast, though after yesterday, I'm still thinking I got to change the name to Talking Field Goals. I am joined as always by SoCali Steph. Hi, Steph. Hi, Tracy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Wish there was a win yesterday, but it's 0-4. <laughs> it's, it is 0-4. Uh, but on the plus side, we have a very awesome guest today. We are joined by the editor-in-chief of The Athletic SF, the one, the only, Tim Kawakami. Hi, Tim. Hey, how you doing? Oh, good. Good to be speaking to you women today. How are you both doing? Good. <laughs> you <know>. Pretty well. <laughs> good, good. Another, you know, another Monday after a loss. So we're pretty used to these. So pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty normal. Well, so yeah, you know, it's interesting. interesting a little weird thing is I go to is Kyle Shanahan does his presser late now on Mondays, four o'clock. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gives just the writers, I would guess. I mean, everyone's going to chew over this stuff anyway, but it gives writers and the people who attend this thing, like I will be uh, at four o'clock today. A little more time to kind of ponder instead of just, you know, like, you know, a Harbaugh would be at 12, Chip Kelly was 12, 12, 30, I think. You're kind of rolling right into the, okay, let's see what the coach has to say. Now it's like, gives you almost a whole other day to kind of brew over these things. I'm sure Shanahan would like it to be brewing over victories, but uh, so far, four straight, not brewing over victories, and so it just gives you a little more time to talk about, and gives me time to do podcasts. Isn't that good for everybody? It is. Yeah. It is good for everybody. Um for me, it's it's good. It gives me the whole day to get a whole bunch of work done, and then, yep. you know, move move on in. Um, and I think it gives him time to review film and talk to the players. And then I think he feels more prepared when he comes to talk to the media. Yeah, exactly. That's how he explained it. That's it. You know, it, hey, I think most coaches like to get it over with and, and don't have to let it linger all the way. Uh, what we found with Shanahan is he wants to kind of go over everything. Hey, he's late coming out to games. I'm sure he was late. I wasn't there, but I'm sure he was late yesterday. He talks to, to John Lynch after the games. Just kind of, so they go over stuff. So no one's surprised by anything he says. Uh, he likes to talk to the players before he says anything about them on Monday or on Wednesday or on Friday when he does his pressers. Uh, we'll find out, and he likes to go over the film. As he mentioned to us the other day, like seven or eight times he's going over the film. Uh, including late at night, the night of the game, before he ever wants to talk about it. That's why he can talk about it in his mind in such detail. That's why he will go over the X and O's of plays, because he's, it's not like it's something that he just saw or something he saw only once, something he had to talk to the players about. Uh, that's one thing I appreciate about this. I think there are, you know, TV stations aren't real thrilled about the late pressers, or maybe it'd be better if we got a little... I appreciate this, that he is absorbing everything before we get a full and comprehensive reaction from him on Monday. Uh, and I like the full and comprehensive part. I'll take that every time. I agree. And actually, yesterday I was thinking, you know, he, you're right, he came in you know, a little bit later after the game. And I think it also gives him a minute to breathe so that when he comes in to talk to us, he's not spewing, you know, he's... he. He's very thoughtful in his answers. He's obviously not happy with the losses, but he doesn't come in angry. Yep. Um, and I think, and it, I think it makes for a better interaction between him and the press. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and you know, he, he's not in the moment of the game. Now, I think there will be times when he still is. And <laughs> saw that that second exhibition game. Oh yeah, uh, he was really upset again with reasons to be upset. <laughs> but I don't think he likes that look. I don't think. I think he was a little embarrassed by that look, frankly. Again, sometimes coaches want to be fiery. They want to show 
the public and via the public back to the players that they're angry or something, or they're incredibly happy about something. We all remember when Harbaugh kissed Matt Barrows on the head after the Green Bay playoff, <laughs> uh, which was such a symbol of where that franchise was and where Harbaugh was at that moment, and frankly where Matt Barrows' head was. <laughs> but uh, Shanahan wants to be kind of more removed from that. He, he wants to, he'll he'll say interesting things. He'll make interesting judgments. I'm sure there will be some today. But he doesn't want it to be in the moment. Like, what was Mike Singletary's business? You know, I want winners. It was fascinating. It was something that really was symbolic of where that team was. But it was a man still lost in the game. Still lost in the moment. And a head coach, presumably most times, should be away from that. And, and we're seeing that from Shanahan. I think it might have been fun to talk to him right after Brian Hoyer threw the ball to him on third yeah. down. Yeah, <laughs> 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 that look on his face might have right at that moment might have been a great might have yep. been a great quote though I think that looks at everything. <laughs> yep. um, so let's talk a little bit about the game. It was another tough loss. They've lost their last three games of divisional opponents by a total of eight points. So they're close. You know, sometimes that's harder <laughs> than just being blown out, but they're close. And I think one could potentially make the argument that they're a decent quarterback away from having won a couple of those games. But I also think one could make the argument that a young team in a rebuild with young talent doesn't win those games because they don't know how to yet. So I think a couple arguments could be made on that. Um, Tim, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, I just, I go to the end of the game when Larry Fitzgerald didn't do a lot or anything in that game until the very end. Carson Palmer was not good until the very end of that game. And who makes the play at the end that the 49ers couldn't do? It's Carson Palmer kind of eluding pressure, getting through all the sacks he'd been through. Uh, I, frankly, I don't think he's any good anymore. But he can throw the ball when he has a little time, when he has a little pocket, and, and throws a strike to Larry Fitzgerald, who beats the defenders, beats Richard Robinson, beats Jimmy Ward, uh, and, and they win the game. They, they score a touchdown. The 49ers could not score a touchdown. Basically, first touchdown won. It's 
a desperate search to figure out who can make a play, and I don't know that they have one. I think Pierre Garçon is, is a playmaker. You put him in single coverage, Patrick Patterson, and Peterson, and he's not going to make a lot of plays when he did. That's, you can't blame Garçon for that. There's a lot of guys you can say that for, a lot of good receivers you can say that for. Otherwise, the Fortnite's don't have. They have tight ends who drop the ball. They have offensive linemen who commit penalties. They have Carlos Hyde who's, who can make a play or two, but then gets hurt a lot. Uh, and the quarterback, frankly, is not is probably bottom what bottom fifth of the NFL starters right now. Bottom less than bottom tenth of the NFL starters. They knew that going in. They know that now. Uh, that that becomes an interesting thing to see how Shanahan and Steph deal with the next twelve games. How fans deal with the next twelve games. How John Lynch deal with the next twelve games. I think I think the Brian Hoyer judgment, if you were withholding it for a while, and I think it was fair to withhold it. We can make it. He's not going to be any answer for this game beyond maybe a month or a month and a half from now. So then I guess that brings up the question, in a month or a month and a half from now, do we see C.J. Beathard or do they try to sign another veteran? Well, no, it's going to be Beathard if it's, he's the next guy because they, they, you know, they jettison Matt Barkley for Beathard. Uh, and I think if there was any thought that Beathard couldn't stand up to you know, five starts at the end of the season, that they would have kept Barkley. You know, I, I think the the idea is Beathard, you get him, you get him reps as a number two quarterback, and I would sense that they might start getting him some more reps with the ones in practice just to see how it works. Maybe they've already been doing it. And maybe in a couple, if it's like this, and hard to imagine it won't be very similar to this in three or four weeks, maybe a good game or two, you know, but if there was a good game against the Rams, it still wasn't quite good enough. Uh, I think Beathard, you know, by that bye week, which is what, after week 10, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's looking like a real good place. Again, not because he's the answer. I don't think anyone in there thinks he's the answer. You never know, but I don't think they think that. Just to give him a, uh, give him a look. Give him a, okay, if we're going to sell, sell the farm to get a quarterback next spring. We all know that. But is Beathard a guy that can compete for this job? Is Beathard a guy who's strictly a number two? Is Beathard a guy you want to keep around, even if you have Kirk Cousins on the team? Because you can trade him in three years, like Patriots may be able to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all these things kind of need to be sorted out. Not immediately, but now that you've kind of put Brian Hoyer to the side and said, okay, that was nice, and, and Hoyer can deliver for you whatever he can in the next two or three weeks, and I think it's C.J. Beathard. After that, oh, the, other, the other point is, it, unless Beathard is terrible in practice, and then if you just turn it over to him, then you lose some part of the locker room because these guys don't want to just be an experiment. They don't want a, a, a young quarterback who you're just throwing out there just for the hell of it. They want people should earn their jobs, even if fans are, are pounding on the stands to try to get the bag up in there. You know, unless he's earned it in some way, it shouldn't be Beathard, or unless Hoyer's just the worst. And Hoyer isn't the worst, worst. He's just clearly not an answer uh, in any way going beyond a month or two. I would agree with that. It's interesting. The the most popular man on the team for fans is always going to be your backup quarterback. Well, especially well, it's a rookie backup quarterback. <laughs> that makes it even more. Uh, you know, hey, Trubisky's moving in for the Bears, but obviously he was a second pick overall. Slight difference than where Sidney Beathard was picked. So we don't know. Again, everything is not decided on that. This is kind of the replace the quarterback uh, season right about now, four games in, kind of dies, beginning to get cast. But I don't know. I don't know. You know we'll, we'll see. You know, Shanahan isn't 
protecting Hoyer. We've heard that. He's not going out of his way to say, oh, my God, it's just these little things. He's saying the quarterback's got to throw the ball better. And so I'll be curious what Shanahan says today in the next few days, Uh, but I just don't think it's time for Beathard. There will be a time. I think that's what we know. There will be a time this season. It just hasn't happened yet. I would agree. Steph, what do you do you have thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it was Carlos Hyde that said that he was loving the fight. You know, even though they were losing, he felt that there was, you know, he said, I think he said it, if he was comparing this year to last year, he really saw the fight there. And he said, we keep on fighting and we're close. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, losing takes a toll on players and even like, the most zealous and young guys who are mentally tough and willing to go all the way, I think they need a payoff. So I'm concerned that the next win needs to come along somewhat soon. You know, I'm afraid that if they don't, you know, take a win against the Colts or, you know, another team quickly, then they could literally be 0-8. And then after that, it's just how much can you you know, take from this team. So it, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm with you. I definitely think that Cousins going to be the target um, at the end of the season, and I think it sort of has to be. Um, but we'll see what happens with what goes on. But it'll be interesting. It's a, it's tough for them, but they're so close. It's tough to figure that one out. And I will say, you got to have a quarterback, you know, and, and they didn't. You know, it's not like Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch. Oh, we got our quarterback. This is going to be great. They slow played this. They said, we, you know, 2017 could be the season where they don't have their quarterback in place. And boy, oh boy, did Brian Hoyer prove that they don't have their quarterback in place. <laughs> in case and, there was any if they, ever, doubt. if they ever needed reinforcement on that, they've gotten it in these four weeks. And no. there was no reason to believe that Brian Hoyer was going to be the quarterback that, they, that was going to change everything. Uh, so if all else fails, 49er fans, you do have that clarification that uh, you ended the season without a quarterback and you still don't have one, thanks to Brian Horry's performance. And that was, in fact, quite clear to all. I will say the locker room yesterday was the most somber I've seen it yet. Um, and I, I hate to use that term because we are talking about football. But um, it was the most somber that we've seen it yet. But then Navarro Bowman said he, you know, he said he had a talk with the team and with the young guys and – really kind of saying what you just said, Steph, that they're very close and it's not get down. But I agree. If they don't win soon, it gets worse. And really their best bet at winning is probably Sunday because then it's they go to Washington, then they're home against Dallas, and then they go to Philly. You never know. You never, I mean, you, you didn't, it's, uh, one thing about the NFL, these are coin books. You knew the Patriots are going to be 2-2 two and two and by far the worst defense in the NFL. That's so true. You just don't know these things. Uh, I agree with what you said, Steph, I agree with what you're saying, Tracy. I'll point out, though, the Raiders started 0-10 a couple years ago. Derek Carr, rookie, Khalil <laughs> Mack, and, and, yeah, it could have broken them apart. You know what, it, it, it fused them together. And it didn't happen that season, obviously. Uh, and the next season was a step, and then two seasons later, they're in the playoffs. So you, you don't know. Uh, I think if Jim Tomsula was a coach and they were 0-8, yeah, forget about it. There's no hope. There's nowhere to go. Uh, with Shanahan, there's still some cohesion in there, or a lot. There's still some sense that this is pointing in the right direction, clearly not getting blown off the field. Clearly they have shots at this, even with the quarterback play where it's at. Uh, so 
I don't know that it's, you know, nobody goes into a game thinking they're going to lose or want to lose this whole tank thing. In the NFL, you can't control that. You are, everyone's like, oh, the Jets, of course they're tanking. They're going to go for the number one pick, and they're now two and two, right? <laughs> so, uh, in the NFL, you just let it roll. You let it, you know, you, you let things go where they're going to go. You let the talent decide. You try to put them in the right places. And I think Shanahan is generally putting them in the right places. They clearly don't have guys who can take advantage of that. Uh, the, the, the ball is being thrown to weird spots on the field. <laughs> uh, but, and, and, and frankly, the receivers aren't making any play. You know, Aldrich Robinson isn't a guy who's going to make a big play for you, and he proved it on Monday. The ball flips right through his hands. Uh, there are, but I think if you just see this team has been put in the right spot, they can't hold together for you. Now, this happens, we're talking about this again the same way next year. Totally different. Totally different story. For now, as long as the mood and the chemistry is correct, and by the way, a lot of those guys in that sophomore locker room or whatever it is are not going to be on the team next year. They mm-hmm. did like a 50% turnover this year. There might be another 40% turnover next year. This is how this is going to work. All those draft picks they've got, with all the cap room that they didn't really use this year, it's going to be almost a whole other team, except for many of the, you know, the same first layer of players next season. Uh, they just got to figure out who they want to keep. And it's not going to be a ton of them. It's going to be another, you know, 50 to 60 percent, 50 to 40 percent turnover next year. Uh, and, and it's just making sure the direction's correct. And again, 0 and 4, not good, but it's not a Jim Tom Sula 1 and 3 and everything's great, everybody. Uh, and it's not a Chip Kelly one and three, and we don't know where we're going. I think it's a little bit better than that. It's definitely a little bit better. And I think the, as as frustrated as fans are, the product on the field is better. There, it's yeah. there's it's more coherent. Uh, yes. Again, you know, loss is a loss, and you know, I don't write about moral victories, and we all know what they mean. The NFL, nothing, but it is. Do you see a direction with this team, and do you see? where they're making plays that they haven't made, yes, generally, specifically on defense. Uh, Robert Sala is not, you know, he's not going to get scapegoated that I can think of, and I'm the number one person who finds people are going to get scapegoated. (laughs) Uh, He's better than Jim O'Neill, and they have some sense of direction, both sides of the ball. They just lack a lot of talent on offense. And they could they use could they use another quarterback? You think you guys? Yeah, I think they could use probably. It wouldn't hurt. <laughs> maybe two, maybe three. Uh, and then I, you know, again, I'm going to be really. I don't know when Ruben Foster for sure will be back. I think let's see what the defense then looks like with number 56 back in it, and we might see we might really be seeing something. Uh, and, and the fact that they're kind of putting up these numbers with Ray Ray Armstrong out there and Navarro having to defend some running backs, and that doesn't always go well, or almost never goes well anymore. Uh, that's showing me some things. You're right. They, they they can't get blown up in the next three weeks and have everyone say, oh, moral victory. But I do think the younger players and the players who are going to be there for a while understand that they are in, in a better spot than they were certainly last few seasons. I would agree with that. I think, And I think that would bring us, I think it's a good time to go to the questions we had put on Twitter that you were going to be on. And some fans sent in a few questions. Um, Steph, would you like to start yeah. pitching those out sure. to Tim? Sure. Um, Tim, I just want to say the number one question was if you would unblock so many people. <laughs> 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 Ask I've me just, I've gone through a whole Twitter part of the program. 
so funny. So maybe I'll send them over. I'll send you over a list of those yeah, who went up to the Athletic you. SF Twitter account. I am unblocking people. <laughs> if you subscribe to the Athletic San Francisco Bay Area, this is a thing. We're doing it. So I, I, I'm laughing because I think I've unblocked like 150 people already through this program. Uh, all you have to do is subscribe, show proof of it to the Twitter uh, handle, The Athletic SF, and I will, unless we find some horrible thing you've done to me in the past, and most people, who, most people we haven't found that, uh, I will unblock you. I am declaring that. I've, I've done that. Yeah, I will unblock you. That's awesome. Okay, so the one I'm going to combine here, I'm going to combine the question because I think it's um, similar with Thomas Clark and then also Lossie P from Twitter. <laughs> um, one of the questions is, is if Cousins is on target but that fails, do you, who do you see them, see them going to the draft or going to another free agent QB? So if Cousins is the target and they can't get him, is that the, is that the question? Yes. That's the question. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah you that? know, I, I think they got to have a lot of options. They can't be Kirk Cousins or Bust because they, he's not their player, and who knows what Washington can or, or, or will do with him. Uh, I, I'll throw this one out there. I mean, we mentioned New England's the worst defense by far in the NFL so far. It might turn around, but they're really bad so far. What would the 49ers give up to get Jimmy Garoppolo right now? I don't know that it would happen. I don't know that the foreigners want it to happen. But if, let's say, they, they, they rate Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit below Cousins, but above everyone else. If you're the foreigners, you give it to Forrest Buckner and another pick for him, would you do that? Uh, that's an interesting thing for me. Like, if a quarterback is that important, do you sacrifice the depth of your best part, which is the defensive line right now, in order to get that quarterback and, and, and figure out and then that way, by the way, you can draft the defensive lineman with your pick. Uh, that one I'm rolling around in my head. I don't think it would happen. I don't think either team is too interested in mid-season trade. But I think Garoppolo would be a, would be an option for them. And if you can get him now, do you do it now? Or do you try to get him, if you can't get Cousins, do you try to get Garoppolo as a free agent? Or if the Patriots franchise him, do you try to trade for him? I think Garoppolo would be an interesting alternate option. Obviously, if they're at the top of the draft, I think Sam Darnold will be the likeliest guy they like if he comes out. Uh, are they in the right spot for him? But we've just saw with Trubisky last year, if you're one spot out of the place you think he's going to go, it costs a ton of draft picks to go get him. Like the 49ers squeezed out of Chicago just to move two to three. So I don't know if the draft is where they want to do this. It just feels to me like... They believe free agency and or trade, but probably free agency, to go get a veteran that Kyle Shanahan has had his hands on, has developed in Washington for a couple years, uh, and has seen grow in, you know, still a young, relatively young star in the NFL with guys playing until they're 38, they're 9, Brady's 40. You know, with Cousins, who I think 30, will be 31 next year. That's not very old. That's the way they want to go. Cousins, Garoppolo, there may be another option out there, a young veteran. Uh, I don't see it. But I think that will be the two leading candidates, unless they end up with one or two in the, in the draft and know they can get the quarterback that they want, whether that's Darnold or Rosen. I don't think it would be Josh Allen. But, you know, if they know they can get that 
person, then maybe that changes how they operate in free agency. But it just feels like they want to get a quarterback in free agency and then be able to use that top five, top seven pick on a cornerback or on a receiver or on a pass rusher. Just laser target that there instead of having to pay for that position and then try to you know gamble at quarterback. Take the quarter, get the quarterback you think you know you can bank on, and then use that draft pick or multiple draft picks, probably multiple draft picks, uh, to get the laser target difference making. Like we're talking about playmakers, we don't have a quarterback. They don't have one at a lot of other really, really, you know, valuable positions. And you usually use your top five pick to get one of those positions if your quarterback is taking care of them. I think that's how they want to do. Jimmy Grob, that's interesting, Tim. I hadn't really thought about. I thought about Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. a lot last year, yeah. but it's yeah, interesting. It's just with, New England normally isn't a panic team. It, usually they, 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 they don't do this, but, man, you know, that defense is so bad right now. And the 49ers got some players, you know. They got they do have some players. Uh, people might go nuts here, but if, if Bill Belichick says, I'll, I'll do it for Ruben Foster in a number two, what do 49ers think about that? So... I don't think that would happen, but I'm just saying there's some rare kind of things lining up here. If New England Garoppolo is an excess piece, you're not playing him. This is you're not going to get many more prime years out of Tom Brady. He's only going to probably play play 62. Then just could this be it? If the 49ers love Garoppolo, I think they do. I think they like him at least. What would they? What conversation could they have? with the Patriots right now. Just do it now. Uh, but there's other back-end complications because then, what, do you get a guy to help you get the six wins to screw you out of the top five pick when you might end up being able to get him anyway for free and keep your top five pick? You know, there's a lot of other things you have to think about there. Mm-hmm. It just dawned on me if the Patriots are desperate for some defensive players. Well, I just have one or two. <laughs> they have some guys that I think could plug into a Belichick system uh, I'm just throwing that there in my head to just try to think this one through. That's, that's an interesting one. Yeah, definitely. Okay, another question, and I I thought this was a great one by Lionel Lil. He said, and you mentioned this, that you saw a clear direction with the team and where it's going, but do you think that the ownership has the patience to resist chaos if the rebuild goes into three, four years? Yeah, I don't know about 30 or 40, but they certainly have never shown that kind of patience before. I'm saying in the next year. I, I think, I mean, obviously they've invested so much money in Kyle Shanahan and John six-year contracts, paying them about $11 million a year combined for six years. Uh, it's tough to see any ownership, whatever we think of them, saying, hey, we got $55 million left on this deal after we blew out Chip Kelly with $20 million left on a deal after we blew up Jim Tom Sula, and they're still paying Tom Sula, by the way. Uh, and they blew, blew up Trent Baalke with money left on his deal and all the staffers on both sides. Uh, I, I, they're not going to take a quick look at this one, but I'd say into next season, and we're talking, like I said, if we're talking like this in their own four after two and 14, um, and there aren't many people at Levi's, and there's some kind of revolt. Yeah, then the, I can see, this, given the history of this this management group, I could see some second guessing and some second thoughts. I don't think they do anything. Uh, I would put this more on the Mike Nolan trajectory where it was a bad first season. There were signs of life 
in the second season, and then the third season it got bad, and then the fourth season he got fired. Now that that I could kind of see here, just given this situation, but I don't know that they could do any better than Kyle Shanahan. Like you, you blow out Kyle Shanahan after two years. Who are you hiring then? I, I, they're kind of lucky. They, they, well, it, took, it took this kind of money to get Kyle Shanahan out of way. I don't think he was racing to the four ers It was much more the other way. So they do it again, and they go four coaches in six years uh, and eat all that money. I don't know. I, I, so I just think they've kind of, you know how you just you put the money down to make yourself have to believe in this thing? You buy the big television set, it's, you have to believe. That's, that's my TV set now for three years. This is kind of where they are. And it doesn't mean there can't be whispers. We know there can't be. It doesn't mean that there can't, you know, maybe if they feel that Lynch and Shanahan are too big, you know, like we've seen other instances with this management group, there can't be texts to, to national reports. But I don't think they're going to be for a while. I would say two years into the second year, then maybe you start wondering if there's some personnel decisions they question, whatever. But this is what I'm going to say. Jed York just made sure by putting down this kind of money that he's preventing himself from wandering down that lane for a while, for a while. Hey, if this thing isn't turned around in two years, or even looking at two years, maybe these guys aren't the right guys. You have to look at it that way, too. I think they are the right guys, generally. I don't know that they're going to make it's a, you know, a 12, 14, three years. I, I think this is the right mix of, of, of talent at the top. We'll just have to see in two years, in, in three, starting the third, that's when you get, I'd put it much more on a Nolan trajectory uh, than I would certainly on Harbaugh, who won right away, and certainly on Tom Sula, who was a joke right away, and on Chip Kelly, which was just a failed marriage, a forced failed marriage from the get-go. This is a lot different. I'll put it on, on a Nolan three years. Let's say three years, and, and then maybe they will, we'll start hearing stuff, and then maybe we should. If, if they're not, if they're bad after three years, uh, that's your general NFL lifespan anyway, whoever the owner is. I would agree with that. I agree. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Okay, so there were, were a lot of penalties. There were a lot of drops. What do you think that was attributed to? Was it just a lack of team discipline? Was it just players? Did you just not execute? What was that? This is also from Jesse Cavas. Yeah, I think it's lack of talent. You know, when, when players are outmatched talently, uh, physically, not talently, that's not a word, <laughs> physically, uh, I think you see them try to do things they can't do or make moves they can't move, they, they can't do. Rashard Robinson is always around the ball, right? He's always kind of around the ball, but he's grabbing and reaching and not looking back. Uh, Dante Johnson is like looking at the wrong thing all the time, so then he's got to grab or he gets beat. Uh, you see that with offensive linemen who get beat, and they got to grab. I think you see players who are trying to make extra effort and do things they're not capable of. You see, you know, Logan Paulson is not a great receiver. He was open largely because he's not a good receiver, and they didn't feel like they had to defend him. Well, guess what? They didn't have to defend him, but he dropped that ball. Uh, George Kittle drops a big drop. They're not Aldrick Robinson. Again, these are not guys who've been to a Pro Bowl or have won important games. They're players that were available to the Ford Anners in the draft or, or in free agency because they're maybe not the greatest players in the world. They weren't first-round picks. They weren't guys that, you know, Bill Belichick or Ozzie Newsom were, were just, you know, 
reaching to get. They're they're players that they're trying to piece together, maybe putting in, you know, a step ahead of where they really are talent wise, just to try to see what they can do. So, hey, everyone loves to say, oh, it's all coaching discipline. Yeah, maybe you know, there's something. You know, Kyle Shanahan's got a pretty complicated offense, and we've we've seen some of those pre snap penalties early in the season. Maybe not so much anymore. Where maybe he's trying to do too much. Maybe too much movement, too many things to try to make the defense confused and confusing your own guys. But the stuff that I saw in this game, tons of penalties, uh, tons of just huge errors, a lot of them by the tight ends, is that they're not really good players. And that means they're being kind of stretched. Their skill level is not quite capable of covering this moment. And so when it really gets into the most pressure-filled time, look, Larry Fitzgerald makes a play, and Fortnite don't have anybody close to as good as Larry Fitzgerald. Period. Never have, you know, except where you go back to, you know, Daryl Allen and Jerry Rice. It's been a long time since Fortnite had anyone who could do something like that. Maybe Crabtree at his best, but they're they're just not good enough to maybe do some of the things that Kyle Shannon wants them to do. Does he have to go more basic? I think he already kind of has, and then you're not running the Kyle Shannon offense, so you kind of get that push pull. Uh, they're just not good enough. We we go over. Again and again, they're they're not a good roster. This is why they were two and fourteen last year. This is why they're zero and four now. And you can't just snap your finger and say, "Okay, now we're we're a good roster." They're, they're just not. There's there are hope, hopeful signs. There's teams that have turned things around faster, but usually those teams have a quarterback, and usually those teams, you know, a year and a half, you know, another off season of influx of talent is what really does it. Uh, look how long it's taken Jacksonville to try to build that roster up, and they're still maybe not quite there. Why? Because they don't have a really good quarterback. I just think there's so many things that stem from the quarterback. It's not like Kyle Shannon doesn't know that. And the rest of the roster is just trying to do things they can't really do. And, you know, we, we don't see a player just say, oh, that's a player running free and loose because he's just that talent. Well, they do have one of them. The number 56, and he's been out for the last three weeks. So beyond that, I circle a player who I say, "Wow, that guy's just perfect for everything right now." They don't—they don't really have that, and I think we see that in the mistakes and the, and, and the penalties and all the things that come, especially at the crucial times. Fair enough. I think that that is a, a really good answer and insightful on a lot of levels. Um, I have my own personal question, and I'll tie it up with this one. I am. Um, I think Solomon Thomas is somewhat of a gem. Would you agree? He had a good game. He had a really good game. Again, he's one of those players that's interesting third overall pick where he's not an edge rusher. So, you know, his stuff doesn't always just jump out at you. But he makes a lot of solid plays. You can tell he's always chasing the ball. And Joe Staley, when I asked him, give me somebody on this defensive line that you really really think it's going to be great. He immediately said Solomon Thomas. He, last time he said something like to me was for Alden Smith and Alden Smith's rookie training camp. So when mm-hmm. Staley says something like that, I really start looking at it. And again, Thomas isn't going to get 15 sacks ever. He's not that kind of player. But can he hold the line of scrimmage? Can he hold the edge when that's his responsibility? Can he beat his team? Mm-hmm. Can he first sack, obviously? Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a very good NFL lineman. Uh, you know, maybe in the Ray McDonald when Ray McDonald wasn't getting arrested and, and, and 
kick off the game. <laughs> that level of player, so maybe not a Justin Smith level <laughs> at Hall of Fame, but maybe, you know, just a really, really good Michael Bennett, maybe not quite that sack total, but just a guy that you know you're going to get 60 really good defensive snaps on Dennis Alliance is probably going to make four or five plays. I'll put him in. I think Buckner's a way more talented player physically, but I think maybe Solomon Thomas is going to be a more consistent and more versatile player. And we did see that yesterday. He looked, he really, yeah. and he, yep. it, in a lot of ways, quietly put together a really nice game. Um, and there is a lot to be said for that. Because, like yep. you said, those are the consistent guys, and those are the guys yep. that you can really count on. So I would agree with that. And for all those people who, after three games, said he was a bust, like, come on, let's, you know. Just, you know what, you're going to try to judge him by facts, and <laughs> I don't think it's, that's going to be necessarily where he's going to be. Usually you do take a defensive lineman that high, and it's all about facts. It's not going to be Solomon Thomas. He got a bunch of them at Stanford, but that's not, I don't even know at Stanford that was really his role. Uh, he was just to go make a play. Uh, it's, he's going to, you know, they could use, and listen, you get a, great young pass rusher on that line and then I think you see the whole line just take off. They mm-hmm. don't have that again. But those are tough to get. <laughs> those guys are really that's the reason why they're really good is because there's not there's only about ten of them. The Fortnite don't have one of them. So but I think Solomon Thomas just in the effort, just in the hold his own responsibility uh, and don't get blown up, I think he's going to be very good at that. I would agree. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. This was great. I appreciate it, guys. Every time, uh, thank you. And I am laughing over the the unblock thing because uh, <laughs> it's endless. It never, it, I, I never tried to plan it this way. It just sort of happened, <laughs> and it oh, it's just a continuous thing. And if if that's a continuous thing, if that's what my hallmark on Twitter is. I guess I'll I'll, I'll wear it and. I will, at some point, cherish it. This is, this is interesting. <laughs> it's October. It's Blocktober. Every, every month is Blocktober for me. <laughs> I feel like Blocktober, though, because I think they're 0-4, and it's gonna. It's a tough month schedule-wise. I think it's going to be Blocktober, because inevitably there are going to be fans who just right. say things that are just so not... I'm going to go with not appropriate. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go with. Gonna go NFL with. fans? I know. Um, Well, we'll see how next week goes. Uh, Tim, I'll see you in Santa Clara soon. All right. Um, Steph, we will talk next week. And we will not make you do this, Tim, but Steph and I always end with the Go Niners. Go Niners. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.